It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Orlando Magic won the top pick with Paolo Bancaro. We're going to talk to the guy who was leading the Bancaro bandwagon all season despite all the odds. We're going to talk to Rafael Barlow of Locked On NBA Big Board. It's time for a big edition of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is July 28th, 2022. My name is Philip Rosmerich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to talk with Locked On NBA Big Board's Rafael Barlow uh, about Paolo Bancaro, what he saw in Paolo, what he saw from him in Summer League, and why he could be the missing piece for the Orlando Magic. Plus, we'll get into how the Magic can get the most out of their young players from our draft expert. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, we want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's right when we upload. We truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Locked On podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Just search for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Before we dive into our, our, our discussion... Kind of get out of the way before we get into that. First, Paolo Bancaro officially announced that he will be playing, or was officially announced, he didn't announce it, but he will be playing this Saturday at the crossover in Seattle. We've seen some of these videos start to pop out, and, and hey, it's good to have these videos again, because uh, the Magic have been kind of out of the Pro-Am circuit for a little while. Uh, but it's been good to see these these kind of appearances pop out. Um Paolo will be playing at the crossover. Uh, it's a big pro-am tournament up in Seattle, where Paolo Bancaro is from, uh, and it's it's a really it's really cool. Uh, you know, he's going to be playing alongside Dejounte Murray. Although it's not 100 clear Dejounte Murray is going to play this weekend, um, but it, it's going to be really really cool. We should get some good highlights. That's that's really all these are for. They're not super detailed. Uh, we saw Chumo Kiki get some get some run. It looked like in a, either a pickup run or a pro-am run. Uh, in Atlanta, after his basketball camp, he was notably wearing a polo while he was playing, which is very Chuma Okiki. Um, and then there's you know this video going around right now of Jalen Suggs during his pickup run, which of course is really good to see because that a that means Jalen Suggs is healthy and able to play again, uh, which means he's able to get some work in this this offseason. And 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 I'll let everyone else do the Pruder film study of Jalen Suggs's jumper and all that stuff. We'll, I'll wait to evaluate him when we actually see him play basketball games uh, in the fall, in September, October. Again, this is the time to tinker with the, with stuff. This is the time to experiment with stuff. Uh, so, again, not super the end of the world um, if it's all not perfect together. There's still time to bring it together. We, you know, we're, we're not going to see these guys in training camp until late September. Um, you know, again, Labor Day is kind of the day, the time that most players come back into their home markets. 
they do pickup runs, they do uh, kind of voluntary camps and workouts with, with the coaching, with the coaching staff to get ready for training camp. Um, it's it, it, there's there's still a month to go before we get to that point, and and there's a lot of work you can do in a month. So we're starting to see these pickup runs, we're starting to see these these things uh, come together, and that's of course really exciting because it gives us a little bit of a taste. Just kind of setting the calendar for what we have the rest of the off season. We obviously we have. You know, Paolo Bancaro is going to play in the crossover over the next few weekends. Uh, I think there's two, maybe three weekends left. Uh, two, there's at least one regular season weekend left, uh, and then they have their playoffs. Um, you know, who knows if Paolo is going to do more than one one appearance at this thing? Um, but we'll see Paolo at the crossover this weekend up in Seattle. Uh, we'll have EuroBasket at the end of August, uh, where where Franz and Mo Wagner will both be playing for Germany. Um, those are kind of the most notable basketball items on the calendar here for the Orlando Magic before we get to before we get to training camp, before we get to the games actually counting and and, and, the, and the work actually working towards something. So plenty to get to. Uh, we're going to do our group project here uh, at Orlando Magic Daily. We'll discuss that on this show. Um, so we'll have plenty to talk about. We'll do some history stuff here uh, in August as we get ready for the season. Before we get to Rafael Barlow, um, I do have to make a special note. You probably see the hat. Um, congratulations to Orlando City SC, uh, the local MLS team here, who took a 5-1 victory over the New York Red Bulls, a, a, a burst of scoring, which this team has not had all year. Um, a 5-1 win over New York Red Bulls to advance to the U.S. Open Cup Final. They'll play Sacramento Republic FC. Uh, in the final on September 7th at Exploria Stadium here in Orlando. Um, it has been a while since Orlando has taken home a trophy. Orlando City has not played for a trophy since the MLS's back tournament um, back in 2020. They have not won a trophy since their USL days, their, their final year in USL, if I'm not mistaken, in 2013. Um, we have, uh, you know, obviously the Orlando Apollos kind of won a championship uh, in the AAF. Um, honestly, the the last trophy that the city of Orlando has won in a in a major sporting event. So excuse me if I forget some somewhere, um, and and I probably have. So please correct me. Correct me with with the latest trophies that Orlando has won. The last one that 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 they probably won is the controversial UCF national championship, which was a national championship. Uh, it is officially recognized by the NCAA. Um, it's been a while, um, and so. Uh, you know, again, I, I think there's a lot of American soccer, yeah, American sports fans, not soccer fans, soccer fans know what's going on, but American sports fans who are like, what is this U.S. Open Cup thing? Why is it happening in the middle of the season? I know I've had to explain like, hey, in the soccer world, there's different competitions that you compete in simultaneously. You've got your regular season. You've got your your domestic cup, which is a single elimination tournament featuring every professional team in the in the country or the ones that at least pay to enter. Um, and then you have your Champions League, which the winner of the U.S. Open Cup will get to compete in the CONCACAF Champions League next year, um, which was won by an American team for the first time ever this season. Uh, way to go, Seattle Sounders. Um, so it's really exciting. A- anytime you get a chance to bring a trophy home, that is really, really awesome. Um, and-, and I'm really excited for this game, and I-, and I think you should be too, which is why I want to note it here. Um, we, may- we may bring on some of our soccer friends to preview that game because it's September and we won't have much else to do. Uh, but want to give that special shout out as well. We're going to get to our conversation with Rafael Barlow. No more delay coming up here in just a moment.
But first, a quick word from our pals at Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor to try. Delicious, indulgent cookie dough. Covered in chocolate, that's right, Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite, Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs. They have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 1% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it or the stomach aches that come after. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to Built.com to snack a box for you and the family. It'll be the perfect treat, or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself. Like all Built Bars, new Cookie Dough Chunk Puff is covered in 1% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty. Chocolate-covered cookie dough with a light, fluffy texture. They're so good. What's great about Built is that all of their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You're going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff, whether you need a snack for your workout, a late-night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite. Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built Bar. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off today. When we come back, we'll be chatting with Rafael Barlow about Paolo Bancaro and a whole lot more. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. are now joined by Rafael Barlow from the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast, uh, our draft expert, the conductor of the Paolo Bancaro train throughout the draft process. Uh, Rafael, Rafael, uh, first off, how are you doing, man? Uh, welcome, welcome to the show. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, looking forward to this show. Like you said, I was kind of running the Bancaro bandwagon, and so um, I'm, I'm glad. You know, it's kind of like tooting my own horn in a sense but i'm just glad that a team saw what i saw back in like november with him i've had him number one on my board for months and i'm glad i never wavered i stuck with it even though i didn't think he would go number one i thought that uh you know jabari smith was gonna go number one but then at summer league i felt like he showed why at least in my opinion why i think he's the best prospect yeah, and and I will I will issue issue my uh, I I will I will come come you know 
prostate myself across the altar here and beg for <laughs> forgiveness because I was I was very much on the Paolo train pre-lottery when it was like, oh, you know, oh, goody, I won the, the, the locked on pre-lottery mock draft. And when I got in that seat, I, I got cold feet. I, I, I got cold feet on Paolo. I, was, I had him number one, two on my board throughout the draft process. And then you just start kind of nitpicking his game a little bit or nitpicking everyone else's games a little bit. And, you know, this draft was just, it, it felt really unique um, in that there were three guys that legitimately could go number one. I mean, sometimes you see two, most of the time it's pretty obvious who the number one guy is, yeah. um, you know, just, just from, you know, your history evaluating drafts, how, how unique was the position that the magic were in having to pick between Paolo, Chet and Jabari? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a unique situation simply because if you go look at the front office history, Chet seemed like the type of guy that they would draft based off their history. And then you look and see that the team's one of the biggest areas I thought that the Magic needed help in was three-point shooting, and that's what Jabari does. And so a lot of people assumed that Van Carroll was the worst of, of the three. So I think they were in in a, a very a, a good situation of, of having the number one pick, but also a good, good situation that they had options. You know, sometimes there are bad drafts where somebody has to go number one. And I think in this draft, you you had guys that could go number one in other classes, and I, and I think there's like at least four, maybe five potential franchise type. 1A or 1B type guys in this draft. So I thought they were in a good position, um, but I, I feel like they made the right choice. Yeah, for sure. Let's, let's dive, let's dive in, let's dive into that then and, and kind of get into why uh, the magic ultimately came to Paolo. And, and, and I guess we'll just kind of view it through your lens. You know, we, we talked ad nauseum pre-draft about these three guys. And again, I, I feel like we kind of nitpicked and, and maybe got a little bored and, and kind of, you know, got, got in our own heads. And I think that happens when you're evaluating guys is you, you see them so many times you, you start to kind of look for things that you're, that aren't there, but why was Paolo Bancaro the number one guy on your board throughout this whole process? What, what stood out to you about him? And again, you said this since November, yeah, so early that Paolo was the guy. Well, I mean, I think if you look at the very beginning of college basketball season, I had Chet number one coming into the season. And I don't know if it's like the Champions Classic or something like that. But Carroll absolutely dominated Kentucky. He looked like the best player on the floor. And that was despite like having some cramping issues or something like that where he couldn't play the second half. And then, at least in my opinion, the most anticipated game of the college basketball season outside of like the NCAA tournament was Duke versus Gonzaga. And I remember you know, kind of hyping it up and writing articles about it and talking about it on my website and making like videos, you know, one verse two. And this was kind of before Jabari had really entered the, you know, the conversation that's potentially going number one. And I was chat, 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 chat. And to me, after that game, after the first half, it was clear to me, Bancaro was the most NBA ready. I think he has the most talent and um and I, I never waver it's kind of funny because i learned my lesson stick with your guns <laughs> a lot of times <laughs> in the draft process we may like somebody then like you say you start to overanalyze you start to overthink and then you can even like pay attention to other people saying oh this guy can't do this and then you start looking for that and this was like 
a year where I just say, you know what, I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to go by my gut feeling and I'm going to stick with it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And that was, you know, my my theory going into this whole draft process is I was high on Bancaro and I'm not going to let the the media or other people convince me that somebody else is better. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, I just think like overall, I felt like he's the best player simply because I, the way I look at it is if I have a guy that I'm selecting number one overall, and if I have five seconds left in a shot clock, who can I say, go get me a bucket and, and make a play. And I felt like with Jabari, he needs to be spoon fed. He needs someone to set him up. I felt like with Chet, even though I feel like he showed more in summer league than he did at Gonzaga, I was just more confident that Bancaro can, if he got a mismatch, he can post up, he can create his own shot. And I, I watched like his high school tape before, and I knew that he could pass. I knew that he could play point forward, even point center if you need him to. And that's something that I didn't really get a lot of footage of at Duke. So that was one of the reasons why I was so high on Bancaro throughout the whole process. Yeah, I think I think to some degree, like, I, and I agree with you on that point. Like, you know, as someone who you know, I'm an NBA guy. I I I follow my team first, yeah. but obviously the Magic have been in plenty of drafts, and you have to know the draft a little bit. <laughs> and then I I kind of try to go to every draft and say like, you know, okay, this is a lesson that I learned from the last draft. Like, I I try to make it a point, and I say this every time. I don't know how well I do this. I try to focus on what guys can do rather than what they can't do. Yeah. Um, you know, just at a certain point when you're kind of splitting hairs, you do kind of tend to focus on what, what they can't do. But I think to, to that point, like uh, with, with Paolo, I, I think we did get a little bit kind of caught in the weeds of what maybe he can't do or, or what maybe he didn't show at Duke. Um, you know, again, especially for someone like me that kind of jumps in, like you're, you're in this world, like, you're, like you said, you're looking at his high school tape even to kind of get a hint of what he could be. I know I, I, know I said with Chet, like, hey, the way he played at Gonzaga is not the way that he played in high school. Like he's got a lot more in there. And a lot of these guys do because they have to kind of fit into these teams yep. um, that they're playing on. Cause they're, cause you know, coach K is, you know, not necessarily coach K, but these coaches are judged on their ability to win games too. So yep. they got to do what's best to help them win as well. And, and, and you got to understand that context. I feel like a lot of the conversation with Paolo and I'm guilty of this as much as anyone, we just kind of lost the, the point of the game, which is I think what you said really well there. Five seconds to go, you know, you got to get a guy that can put, can, can, can go get a bucket. And, and, you know, you look at this magic team and you look at this magic franchise, honestly, that's been the one thing that they've been missing probably since Tracy McGrady, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's been that long since the magic have got had, a, I mean, Steve Francis, I guess in the early part of his tenure with Orlando, they have just missed a guy that could just go get a basket. I mean, that's what they missed in the 09 finals. That's why they went after Vince Carter. Vince didn't give that to them. And, and that's, kind of why that whole uh whole team collapsed but at the end of the day you're right it, it's it's hard to build a team without a guy that can just beat a defense that knows what's coming um you know again you look at the playoffs that's what it is and so when you look at Paolo and, and what he's projecting into you know you, you said he's the guy most likely to, to to be that way you know with what you saw I mean it's summer league I know it's 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 what it is it, it, it is what it is but is is that what is Paolo's ceiling, I guess, you know, in, in your evaluation and you're looking at him, obviously you had to remember one, you like a lot of things that he can do. What, what can Paolo become or what is it, what is his ceiling for, for, for this team? Uh, 
Yeah, before I get into that, I want to say one of the things about Bancaro that if you look at, and I, and I posted this on Twitter, I don't know if you saw it, but if you look at the scouting reports from 2017 on Jason Tatum, all of the areas of concern are the same exact things they said about Van Carroll. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna raise my hand and be guilty. I was not a Tatum fan. Something <laughs> I think I took. I think I I think in the locked on mock draft. I don't care if freezing cold takes grabs this. I took Wendell Carter over Jason Tatum. If, if I'm not mistaken, they weren't in, in the in same that, class. The on mock draft. They they weren't. Oh, they weren't in the same class. Oh. No, uh, oh, Carter I, was. I remember I 18. Just, Tatum was 18, 17. Okay. That that was the I, class with. So that class was like Josh Jackson, okay. Lonzo Ball, uh, whoever I whoever I took it 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 would be embarrassing. Today. <laughs> that, 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 I, I know that I I know I know I looked back at our mock drafts. Jason Tatum was still on the board when the Magic came up. I think it was at six, and I I passed on oh, him. Wow. So I I will I will raise my <laughs> hand and say I am guilty of 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 feeding into that scouting report, not being sold on the shooting, not being sold on just the scoring ability. Mm-hmm. At, at the end of the day, you got to put the ball in basket. So Yeah, and I think <laughs> like the, the comparisons were they take tough shots, you know, they rely on mid-range, contested shots, and then, you know, the whole analytics says the mid-range is, is, is not a good shot. Then, you know, even with like Tatum, you start seeing like him working out with Kobe and then he got flack for taking Kobe Bryant type shots and, and so on. And, and so um, – and I guess your question was how, you know, how I saw uh, Bancaro's ceiling. So I've been saying in this process that I think Bancaro's ceiling is, uh, I forgot what year it was. Maybe, is it 2018-19, Blake Griffin? So it was the, okay. and I mean, he's, he's a better athlete people, than Blake people was. People forget year. how good that Blake Griffin was. Exactly. And so you, you see like this guy that is 6'10", 250, but that year, Blake was showing. I mean, he showed some flashes of it in LA, especially when Chris Paul was out from time to time. But I mean, I want to say it was like twenty four, ten, and five, something like that. <laughs> and I think Ben Carroll could be that guy that can be your point power forward. You can run. You can run four or five pick and rolls. And I just think like a really creative coach can really maximize all of his talent and, and his gifts. And I felt like. Like you said, people forgot how good Blake Griffin was, because when people think about Blake Griffin, they think about, you know, early Lob City jumping over the car, this explosive athlete. But he was really, really skilled. And it's unfortunate that injuries kind of I shouldn't say kind of injuries just derailed his career. But even when he wasn't as explosive and as athletic as before, I mean, he was a very good passer. I mean, I think the Pistons made the playoffs that year. And so I think that if Van Carroll can be like peak 24, 10, 5 and shoot a respectable percentage from three, I mean, I just think he makes everyone around him better. Yeah. And, and that was, I mean, honestly, that was what surprised me most. I mean, obviously two game sample at summer league, but that's what surprised me most at summer league was just how, 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 how skilled this passing was. Mm-hmm. I mean, from, the very beginning from like the like opening game, they were running him as the point guard. You know, yeah. he was directing, directing offense. And, you know, honestly, I, it, it, his, there are two plays that stood out to me most from summer league, obviously the block in double overtime uh, when he, when he blocked the Quita um, to, to save that game. Uh, but the other play was um, uh, the first game against Houston. He had a train, he had a transition. He was leading a fast break. 
and just put a bullet straight to Caleb Houston in the corner for a three. And I, I remember just, I, I think that was the point when I was watching that game where I was just like, I've seen enough, you know, I, I know there's a whole debate about, about, you know, how much guys should play in summer league and the magic were super conservative with Paolo in summer yep. league. But uh, that was a point where I was just like, okay, he's, he's ready to play with the men. He's ready to play in the NBA. Like the, he doesn't need to be here and he doesn't need to be here beyond just getting reps. And, you know, I think most magic fans would say, you know, we thought he wasn't a, a, a passer or certainly not a passer like this. And, and, and that was, that was something that really, really stood out at, at, at summer league. I, I'm curious you know, for, I don't know how much of summer league you were able to watch, but yeah, I was there. what stood out to you most from, from Paolo or from, from what you were able to gather from Paolo, uh, from his summer league run, you know, granted it being fairly short. Well, I think that he showed how good he can be without playing the way that he played in college. So in college, he got a lot of touches on the post on the block mid post, and we saw a totally different version of his game in summer league. And it takes me back to a conversation I had last summer and uh, it was with Bam out of, I was in Miami and he was at a gym and I, I'm a Blazers fan. So I was like, can you tell me what in the world made my Blazers select Zach Collins over, over you? And, <laughs> and so I was like, you know, I mean, franchise would be totally different if, if, you know, that if they took Bam. And so I know there's other franchise that probably regret um, passing on him. And so he said something to me that stood out. He said, you know, when you go to a school like Kentucky or, or Duke, you have to sacrifice. So he said, what scouts need to do is look at what a guy does when he's at those programs that have other five-star recruits that were promised certain roles. He said, take what the guy does there. Now go back and look at his high school tape and see that if there is there something that he has in his game in high school, you know, maybe sometimes it's, you know, sometimes you can't really use high school because it's totally different, but he's like, you know, sometimes uh, watch their film and then see if they're showing potential of a certain skill set. And so he said for him, the passing is something that he had in high school, but at Kentucky, he never had a chance to pass. Um, you look at even back with, Carl Anthony Towns. They say he was a shooter in high school. He didn't shoot threes at Kentucky. And so even though it's totally two different schools, but when I looked at Paolo's passing in high school when he was playing, you know, point forward or handling the ball more, that's when I'm like, all right. He showed a little bit of it. Like he had a game against Syracuse, I believe, where he had like five or six assists or something like that. But it's a long way to answer. But I wasn't surprised by the passing because I saw him make some of those same reads back when I was watching his AU film. And so I think that he didn't even really show the, the post game in summer league. He just showed a totally different version. So I think once you combine everything that he has, I think he is just going to be a huge mismatch, especially in like this switching NBA, you get a guard on him and you, and you switch and now he can take him to the post. If you send the double, he can pick you apart. And so I'm just, I mean, Orlando is going to be number one on my on my league pass because, of course, I like I said, I've been promoting Van Carroll all year. But so long answer, but yeah, I mean, the, the passing at summer league wasn't a big shock to me. But I'm glad that Orlando did their homework and they put him in a position to show what what he can do. I mean, there was a play, I don't remember if was it the first game or the it was the second game where he hit a cutter. 
and it was a baseline cutter. I mean, he just thread the needle and he just showed like I can make those plays. Now he did have some situations where he was forcing passes. I think he was trying to show too much of what he could do as a passer. But I thought like overall summary, he just showed that, Hey, I can, I can pass. I can, I can make plays on defense. That was like the big knock on him. I love the fact that he took the challenge to defend Jabari Smith. I think he kind of took it personal. Like, they were saying you were better than me. I'm here to show you that 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 I am. So I, I thought I thought he played very, very well. Of course, there were some situations where he took some questionable shots. Or I'd say, like, the, the biggest area that I have of concern is that he passes up open catch-and-shoot threes from time to time, and he'll take a contested shot. He did that a couple times, but... I thought he shot the ball well from three also, so I, I'd have to give him an A. Yeah, I think, I think I mean, uh, like I said, by, by halftime of that first game, I was just like, oh, okay, oh, this, this, this is that guy. This is that guy. And, and uh, I, think, I think most Magic fans, you know, whether they wanted Jabari, whether they wanted Chet, whether they wanted Paolo, I think they all came away from Summer League saying, oh, we, we, we got a player. Yeah. And I think you could kind of feel the optimism around Magic fans um, as, 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 with what they're thinking about this team. Like it, it, it does finally feel like Orlando has the star that they've been missing since Dwight Howard left. Um, it, it, there's, there, there are magic fans talking about the play in tournament. And I think that's, I think it's, it's certainly in the realm of possibility. If Paolo has a rookie of the year caliber season, I, I, I thought, I, I agree with you. I think he was the most NBA ready. I think he's probably, he is rightfully the favorite to win rookie of the year. Regardless of whether he was the number one pick, I think he would have, he would have been and should be the favorite to do so because he'll put up the numbers. Um, but I, I think it's going to be really interesting to watch how the Magic fit this team around him. Yeah. And, and we'll talk. I want to talk specifically about Jalen Suggs and Franz Wagner here in, in a little bit. But um, I think what, what I what I want to to take a look at a little bit here is, you know, obviously they have obviously you know I think the Magic in summer league. We're looking to do very specific things with Paolo. I don't think they wanted to show that whole repertoire. I think you're right. Paolo didn't want to show the whole repertoire either. I think he kind of said he was kind of working his way back into into playing shape and, and into playing feel and, and certainly, yep. you know, kind of pushed himself maybe a little further than, than he should have. You know, every both Houston and Sacramento brought hard doubles on him very quickly, and I don't think he was completely ready for that. Um, but when you look at this Magic roster um, – you know, how, you know, how does he fit into what the magic already have knowing full well that it's probably going to come a time very, very soon that the team's going to have to start fitting around him. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like where, how do you see this team kind of molding Paolo and, 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 and where he fits in as he, as he enters this, this really, really young team, obviously. Yeah. So one of the reasons why I wanted Orlando to select him, was because I felt like the Magic don't have a defined pecking order. And I kept saying, and, and you may agree or, or disagree, you watch the team more than I do. I, I felt like coming into this draft, if you did a, a, a poll of the players on the team and said, who is the best player on this team? Who is the closer? I, I think that you would have got multiple answers. And I felt like selecting Chet doesn't help that. Selecting Jabari doesn't help that because he's going to need somebody to, to get him open. And I felt like Bancaro has the best opportunity to be the the, the go-to guy. 
And then I think once you establish your go-to guy, the pieces, even though it may be difficult because there's still a lot of talent on Orlando, but <laughs> the, the, the pecking order is a little off. But I think now you can start to figure out, okay, who works with him, who doesn't. And I think this first year is going to be all about figuring it out. There are some guys that are going to be moved. And it's, it could be somebody that was a lottery pick <laughs> within the last three or four years. Because I think Ben Carroll is the guy. And now it's just, you know, the pieces are going to have to fit. The play-in tournament, I mean, that, that, that would be a very good situation. But like I said, I just think with this year, you're going to have to figure out, okay, this guy can play off of him. And I think that if, if it goes the way I imagine it going, the shooters are going to be fine. It's the guys that struggle with knocking down shots that are that need to kind of play with the ball in their hands a lot to be effective. I think those are going to be the ones the most negatively impacted. Yeah, uh, I, I, I agree with you there. I, I've kind of, you know, I, in the context of, you know, a lot of there's a lot of Magic fans who feel that, you know, Paolo's already like, on the star track that they should go after a guy like Donovan Mitchell. And I think to your point, that might kind of throw off the pecking order a little bit. Um, to some extent, I think, I think you're right. I think this season, like I call this season kind of a proof of concept season. This is a season where you figure out, you know, who you're actually building around, what pieces work, what pieces don't, and then start moving the team and molding the team uh, to that group that you want to, that you ultimately want to be. And, you know, I, I think that the magic should let these kind of young, these young guys kind of start figuring things out. Uh, on their own this year before they start kind of tinkering around with, yep. with it. Um, they, they're so, they've got such great relationships already. Um, you know, again, like everyone on the team essentially was in Vegas uh, for those first two games. Um, and, uh, you know, honestly, I think to your point about the pecking order, I think that pecking order is super, super important for this team. And one concern that I have is that everyone is so friendly that they're going to be uh, playing a little bit too much by committee and they're not going to, and they're not going to kind of set that pecking order that they're going to ultimately need. Now, again, like it may take one Paolo Vancaro late game flurry for everyone to realize, oh, like that's the guy. I mean, it's a, it's the old Dennis Scott, Nick Anderson story. When Shaquille O'Neal came in, he's a bouncy young rookie and Dennis and Nick Anderson been in the league for a little while. They get through one practice and they're like, oh, oh, Shaq is that guy. We, we, need to, we should, we yeah. should hitch our wagon with him real fast. Um, not to say that Paolo's a Shaq level prospect, but um, but it, it, it's probably going to take a moment like that in practice where everyone's like, oh, this, this, this kid can really play and, and he, we're going to go as far as he can take us. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live.
but you mentioned that 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 note that okay, like who's the guy that takes the shot in the last couple seconds? And you're right. I think there are a lot of answers for for the magic on that question. Uh, I think Cole Anthony is probably the guy that actually would take that shot, but most fans would probably say Franz Wagner is the one who should be taking taking that shot. Um, to, to that point, then. Um, let's dive into the Magic's rookie, rookie rookies from last season. Um, I don't know how much you were able to watch of them this season, but what what were your take? You know, what were your takeaways from what you saw from from Franz Wagner? We'll get into Jalen Suggs in a little bit, but let's start with Franz Wagner. What were your takeaways from what you saw from him? Your rookie from his rookie season? It seemed like it was a rookie season that took a lot of people by surprise. Yeah, I mean, he's very he's very very good. I I, I do think that. I mean, you can make, at least for me, I can make a case and say he can buy a home in Orlando. <laughs> I think he's <laughs> I think he's going to stay. Um, if I had to, like, make a, a guess of, like, based off percentage, who has the highest percentage of staying? And, and, and I think it's him. Even though I do feel like him and Ben Carroll kind of play the same position in a sense. I mean, I, I think in a closing lineup Franz is best at the four I mean that's just that's just my opinion but I mean he can play three and four and, and very versatile but yeah I mean I think he caught people by surprise I remember watching him I spent a lot of my time in Europe scouting I remember watching him at the it was just like three summers ago I believe at the under 18s and the, the jump that he has made like I, I thought he was good then but he was really skinny to, to where he's at now in three years it, it just basically tells me that I mean I think he can be an all-star by the time he's 25 or 26 and I think in a redraft when we you know five years from now he could go higher than than where he went and so the big knock on him a little bit after his freshman year at Michigan was his outside shooting and I think he's improved that and I think he's going to continue to to be a good shooter so I I mean in did he make all rookie First team all rookie. He was he made all rookie. Was it first we were, team? We were a little scared there. First team all. Okay, rookie. yeah. Um, I think only one person what left him off his ballot. Okay, uh, left him off the ballot for all rookie. Yeah, and I I think I mean it's it was such a strong class and and so it was a really strong class. Yeah. In order to be one of the top five rookies and what some people are thinking is going to be a historic class just shows, um, you know how good a season he had. Even though I think most people would have thought that <laughs> it would have been Suggs that had the. The, the better rookie year. But yeah, I mean, I think Orlando Magic fans have to be very, very happy with Franz. And I'm I'm on record of saying I think he is going to be an all-star at some point in his career. Yeah, I mean, Franz, Franz, I mean, took everyone by surprise. I kind of, you know, I, 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 another draftism, I'm sure you hate it and I'm sure you guard against it as much as anyone, the jack of all trades, master of none. Mm-hmm. Those guys are really good. Those guys are if they're really good at a lot of different things, that's not a bad thing. Like like being skilled. I mean, I think what took us by surprise with Franz was just how little he needed the ball to be effective. Yep. Um, you know, again, we like literally the whole season, everyone was begging the begging the magic to get him more shots, to get him the ball more. And it was just like he just operates within the flow of the offense. And I think the biggest complaint that we had is that they didn't feature him enough. They didn't put him on the ball enough. They didn't use him in pick and rolls enough. And that's I think probably the next phase of his game but by the same token he's just he's so smart he isn't trying to force things like he he doesn't want to be a you know a one-on-one guy and you know again that might be what holds him down from being a top option on the team but 
Now you have a Paolo Bancaro next to him, a guy who's going to look for him on cuts. That's going to find that's going to find him in the corners uh, when he relocates. That 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 should make him even more effective, even if he's not kind of hitting that upper upper tier. Um, yeah, I, I want know, to add something about about Wagner. Why I'm so high on him is I think usually for guys like him that I'm trying to think of the best way to word this. I had this conversation actually with uh, actually it was R.J. Hampton's dad. Um, and we were talking about players from different countries that that are used to growing up playing, quote unquote, the right way and, and being in systems. And usually some of those guys can really get lost in the NBA, especially if they're on a team of young guys that are fighting for second contracts. Right. And so yeah, and, and honestly, like honestly, like I remember when I was looking at Franz in the draft process, I was like, he would. He would have killed it for Golden State. Not that Golden State yeah, made a yeah. bad choice taking Kuminga. If he was on Golden State, like he'd be a key part of that championship team. He would have fit there yep. just as easily as he fit with a bad team on the Magic. And I and I honestly thought like this is the kind of player that will that will struggle with a bad team yes, without yeah. the players to take advantage of all of his skills. So you you get exactly where I was going with with the comment. Yeah. <laughs> and so for him to stand out the way he did and being able to figure out how to be effective without having a high usage and 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 playing with I don't want to call them selfish but just a young team yet usually if you have a young team with young guards the ball doesn't move around as much as as you would like it to I, I look at a guy like Denny Avdia for example I, I was very high on Avdia I think in a different situation he's fine. But if he's in a situation where he is in Washington, where he's not playing with the ball in his hands and they kind of hide him in the corner, they don't maximize his strengths as being like a jack of all trade, master of none. Um, Wagner's obviously a better shooter, but even though both guys are, you know, they have this European, very team oriented background, Franz was able to figure it out while Denny is still kind of struggling with figuring his way and how to be effective if he's not having the ball in his hands a lot, which, you know, you play with Bill, even though Bill was injured a lot, you know, it, he showed some signs at the end of the year when they kind of put him in at, as like their backup point guard, but that was like very, very late in the season. But Franz did very well. And that's why I think like if you, once the pecking order is set and you, you have like your, and everybody kind of is, is comfortable with their standing in the team and the organization or guys get their contracts, then I think he's really going to look a whole lot, a whole lot better, especially if you get like a, you know, maybe even like a backup point guard, like a floor general. I mean, I'm not saying he's a good fit, but like a Rondo type guy that says like, all right, we're getting him touches. We're getting him shots, dispossessions and knows how to manage the game. Then I think he's really going to look good. Like, I mean, and we didn't see enough of this uh, at the end of the season. Playing with a guy like Markel Fultz, you know, would help a ton. And, and you know, I think the Magic are still kind of figuring out what Fultz is. And Fultz is still figuring out what he is after after all the injuries he's had. Um, but, you know, I, I think we all understood very, very quickly that Fultz uh, is the kind of guy that just that lifts everybody up. It was just it was clear when he was on the floor and he was playing with that backup unit for much of his time. Franz got hurt a little bit toward the end of the season. He, he rolled his ankle. Uh, and and they kind of they shut him down a little bit. Then he came back and re-rolled it again. So he just didn't get a lot of time uh, to play with a guy like Fultz. So there's definitely something there to unlock. Um, you, you've noted a, a few times, and I'm a big believer of this too. That situation is a big piece of the puzzle for a lot of prospects. There are certainly prospects that 
overcome situation. Uh, but what you know, what role does Jamal Mosley play in, in in the development of this young team, and and how important is his influence um, in what we saw from the Magic last year, and in, and how they'll continue to develop here. I honestly think he has one of the top five toughest jobs in the league <laughs> simply because the talent is there on the team, but everyone is still trying to figure out their role in the NBA. They're still trying to establish who they are. And and then you have a lot of redundancy on the roster, a lot of overlapping skill sets and he's going to have to be the bad guy and make some guys unhappy Unless, you know, it's like, you know, a season where they say, we're just going to figure it out and we're going to try to, we're going to mix, mix and match lineups. We may go eight, nine, ten deep and then just kind of let things fall into place. I don't know if they're going to do that, but he has to, I mean, he has the tough job of trying to figure out, like, I mean, I don't even know, like, who their starting backcourt is, you know? Like, yeah, that's, you know, like, do you? It's, it's, that's, <laughs> everybody that's, has that's a case. Debate. Honestly, that's, that's the big training camp battle is, who, you know, I think Markel Fultz is going to start at point guard. I feel pretty comfortable with that. But, you know, and let's, let's, let's get into it here. You know, Jalen Suggs did not have a good rookie year. No. Um, there's just no getting around it. And, and I think there would be a lot of value to having Gary Harris start at start at shooting guard just to provide some veteran stability, add another shooter to help space the floor for for Paolo and Franz. And you know, I, I you know what you're getting from Gary Harris. It's it's not going to be a mystery. And if the team is trying to win a little bit more, and, and again, we'll see how how much or how long this team is going to try and win basketball games before the the temptation of next year's draft uh, sets in. <laughs> uh, but if they're trying to win, ba- if they're trying to win basketball games, uh, I, I, I kind of think Gary Harris gives you the best, best chance. Um, you know, Jalen Suggs will still be there. He will still get minutes. Uh, and, and he's, there's still a lot of things he does really, really well, uh, you know, surprisingly well for a rookie. Um, but you know, again, kind of to your point about being the bad guy, there's going to be, you know, when, jo- if, if Jonathan Isaac's healthy, they're going to want to play him. Now he's going to be under a minute restriction. He's going to play a certain amount of games, but you know, that's going to push Chumo Kiki a little bit out of the rotation, or that's going to push into Mo Bamba's minutes and, and how they want to use Mo Bamba. You know, they're, they're, they may not, they may not, they're not going to pair Bamba and Carter together again. I think that I, I don't, I think it's a thing that Carter can overcome, but Carter played, I think like 67, he played two thirds of his minutes alongside Bamba last year. Um, a lot. I think. I think part of Carter being so good was he had Bamba there to clean up some things on the back end. He was able to play against smaller power forwards. He wasn't going up against centers as often. Um, so I think there is at least a, an open question of whether Wendell Carter can be a full time starting center for a high level team. Um, I think there are questions he can answer. Don't get me wrong, but they're they're questions nonetheless. Um, so back to the backcourt then. What do you feel went wrong with Jalen Suggs um, in his rookie year? Because it, it felt like entering the draft process or entering the draft stage, he was a can't-miss guy. Like, like Magic fans were dancing up and down the aisles of the Amway Center when, when Toronto took Scotty Barnes ahead of him. Yeah. Uh, you know, injury certainly played a role his rookie year. Big role, but yeah. What what went wrong with Jalen Suggs this year, and, and how can he overcome that? How can he kind of overcome that and take that next step? I mean, when he has to be healthy, I think injuries really, really hurt him. 
and um and I, I just think like the motivation of kind of being the forgotten one in, in such a deep class, because like you say, everybody just kind of knew that he was going to Toronto <laughs> to to replace um, Kyle Lowry. But I, I think the biggest the biggest issue with Suggs is the shooting. I know like early in his freshman year, Gonzaga, he was knocking down shots and it wasn't like his strong. I mean, I guess it wasn't like his greatest strength coming into college but then he had like this hot streak where he got off to a really good start and then the 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 good start that he got off to even though it tailed off as the season went on he still finished with a respectable shooting percentage and he got to the NBA and it was more like <laughs> you know the, the the reputation that he had as he needed to really improve as a shooter I think he really struggled with his shot and if I'm not mistaken he had a good summer league I was looking at yeah. yeah, I was looking at my notes. He got hurt in summer league too. Yeah, but yeah, he but had yeah a, like I really want to say like maybe like the first or second game, he looked like. I mean, I, I imagine. I think I was there. I was like Orlando Gotham one. Like they, I mean, he made some impact. I, I, I remember writing after the Golden State game, the first the first game that they played, uh, which they won in overtime, I believe. Um, I remember writing it like he's the real deal. Yeah. Like this, this isn't this isn't a mirage. This isn't you know, anything else like he, he's competing hard defensively. He had that incredible block, you know, yes, in, that's in what it was. Yeah. Over time. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, like, let's, let's be clear. Like Jalen Suggs really struggled offensively. He was, I don't, I don't want to say elite defensively, but for a rookie far advanced defensively, like he was, he was on point defensively. And I, you know, I've kind of told people like, you know, maybe we are not saying he's going to be an all-star, but he might be a smaller Marcus Smart, or he might be kind of that defensive that defensive stopper at the guard position. And again, it's just a question of whether he can hit shots consistent enough to keep defenses honest. And if that's what he is, you know, yeah, it, you want a little bit more when you got the fifth pick and a really good draft like this, yeah. but you're still getting a really high level player, potential starter from from a draft, and and that's still not a bad thing at the end of the day. And you know, again, I, I don't think the Magic should be giving up on Jalen Suggs by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but you know, there's, there's definitely a, a, a feeling, like you said that like, well, what do you do with them now? You know, I, I joke with people that draft picks are like used cars. They lose value the moment you drive them off the line. <laughs> um, uh, it's, it's, except it's, Paolo. It, it's, I think Paolo gains. Yeah, except, except Paolo. <laughs> yeah. Paolo, Paolo looks like he's, he's a, he's a Lamborghini. He's a Lamborghini. Yeah. Um, but most cars, you know, you, you you drive them off the lot, they start losing value. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know now you now you have a year of him playing under his belt to say like, okay, what what is he now? And you know, again, it's a it's a prove it year for him to kind of say like, okay, what what are you going to be in the NBA here, Jalen? I have a question for you since I've been sure. asking people that follow Orlando this question: What is your closing lineup? Or like, what is your My starting closing... lineup, and what lineup do you close the game with? Because I mean, we really haven't even talked about Cole Anthony on, on, in yeah. this episode. And he is, you know, I I think if you go into like a training camp with just an open camp and just say, all right, there's nobody is guaranteed a spot. I'm taking the best five guys or, you know, best players. I still think Cole Anthony somehow comes out on top in an open competition. And how like, do you... So how you juggle that? I think so. I think ideal world, my starting lineup is still is probably the same as my closing lineup. It's it's probably uh, Markel, Gary Harris, 
Franz, Paolo, Wendell. Okay. If I'm in need of a defensive stop, like it, like, and I think this is what's kind of going to be fascinating about this this Magic team. If I need a basket, I'm probably still going Markel, but I'm not. If I need like a three, if it's like five seconds left, I have the ball. I need a three. Cole's going to be in there over Markel, no doubt about that. But if I have like a minute and a half, I'm you know down two or down five, I'm probably keeping Markel in there just to just to be a playmaker and be a creator. Um, I probably still stick with Gary Harris, but I might turn to Terrence Ross depending on who's hot that night from beyond the arc. Yeah. Um, you know, mostly Fran- I, I probably go Franz, Paolo, Wendell. Those those three I think are pretty set. Um, but like if I'm up by five with a minute and a half to play, I might swap at least at this point, and depending on health, of course, I might swap Paolo out for Isaac. I might swap Jalen Suggs in there some, somewhere just to just to get stops, just because I need stops are the most important. I can figure out the offense later, but I need I, stops are really, really important. And, and to your point about the pecking order, that's kind of part of the problem the Magic have is they have all these different pieces that, that, that in a lot of ways, they don't know really what they have yet and so there's yeah. going to be some mixing and matching. There's going to be some, let's play it by committee. Like we know that Cole is is reliable for a big shot if we need need him to make a big shot. You know, we know that Markel Foles can get in the paint whenever he wants, but can't hit a three to save, can't hit, we can't rely on him to hit a three. I don't want to say he can't hit a three to save his life. He can, but, um, you know, it's not something you want to rely on, especially like in a playoff series. Like playoff, like a playoff series, the really good teams are going to be able to scheme this this team into oblivion. Like they they are not a playoff team yet. There's just too many guys with too many weaknesses. Um, but a regular run of the mill January NBA game that you need to get that you need to get a win or you have a chance to win. Honestly, like I I, I think I would stick with that group of Markel, Gary, Franz, Paolo, Wendell. But it honestly might depend on who's hot that night. You know what the team needs, the situation that the team's in, time and score will would matter and. I think those options are good, but to your point as well, the pecking order, everyone understanding their role, knowing their role, being able to rely on that role um, is really, really important in team growth too. And I think that that is something that the Magic are going to have to reckon with. And as good as the vibes are with everyone feeling great and loving each other right now, um, those vibes may change when Jamal Mosley says, I'm going to go with Markel over Cole uh, in this clutch situation, or I'm going to go with you know, Isaac over Paolo right you know for this defensive for this defensive play um you know feelings are going to get hurt and and you know that this team has not played with any pressure at all for the last year yep. they're going to put some winning pressure on this team and and, and it's going to be really telling to see who responds and how they respond and what's even more interesting to me we haven't talked about RJ Hampton who you know he won like rookie of the month <laughs> yeah at the end of his his first season there, and he just seems like he is the the odd man out, and he he opted to play in summer league to try to help himself out. And I mean, you know, people are kind of critical of his performance in, in in summer league, but if you're looking at it right now, he's like at best your, your third point guard, your third shooting guard, and um, yeah, maybe fifth shooting guard if you think about it. And so he's in a he, he's in a, a weird situation, but people were just so high on him in Orlando, you know, 15 months ago, maybe even 12 months ago. Yeah. Um, and and I think 
to 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 that point, I think RJ was better at summer league than people gave him credit for. I think he, there were some big mistakes and big big moments, and I think people expect him to be a little bit more advanced or feel, look a little bit more comfortable. But at the same time, I think the Magic were also putting him in uncomfortable situations to try and test him and see where he was at in that role. Um, I think that I think that throughout the season last year, they put him in a lot of bad situations. He was a really good catch and shoot uh, three point shooter last year one of the better three-point shooters on the team last year, which is not something that he was particularly known for yeah. coming out of coming out of uh, New Zealand, coming out of the NBL. Um, and so I think that there's still a ton of talent there. Um, and, and to me, with RJ, a lot of it has been about control. It always feels like he is going faster than he can think. Yep. Uh, and that that leads to some poor decision-making at times. Um, but if he ever can, can click that and find it, like, again, that's another super talented player they have on their roster – you know, another guy that I, I know I, I brought him up, but another guy that we didn't talk about is Chumo Kiki, who, you know, does a lot of things that NBA people really, really like. He's had his own bout with injuries. He struggled to stay healthy consistently too, uh, but he does a lot of really good things as well yeah. that, you know, I, I, that, that would fit for a lot of teams and, and would be really valuable for this team too. It's, it's, there's, there's a lot to sort through uh, with this team. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, Jamal Mosley has his hands full because again there's so many young guys there's so much talent so many overlapping skill sets and um and i mean there's so many guys that orlando has invested in <laughs> and, and and they want to you know at least give the guys a fair opportunity but i i imagine that they're just going to have to consolidate the roster and i i can't think of the 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 best situation you know like what you know, it's not one of those things where this trade makes the most sense. Uh, but I, I guess people want Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> and so that that would be, I mean, that would be good. I, I think, uh, like, look, I, I know I've come, I've come out against it. I, I just think the team isn't ready for it. Like, yeah. if you, tra- I mean, yes, Donovan Mitchell's under contract for four more years. Uh, but this team's not ready to win yet. Yeah. Like, like, like I said, like I, I view this as a proof of concept season. This is a season where you kind of show what it'll look like when this team's ready to win, and, and then you start putting the pieces around him. You get Donovan Mitchell, all of a sudden you're winning now. Like if you're not winning now, you're failing. That's that's the kind of player Donovan Mitchell is, especially with the assets and the players that you would have to 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 give up for him. Um, my point to a lot of people has been, it's good that we're having this conversation and that the Magic do have the pieces and the players to maybe go get it done. Yeah. Um, that's a good thing. Um, you know, that's where, that's where you want to be as a team like Orlando. And like you said, I agree. I, I think that consolidation trade is probably, probably next summer. Uh, they have to start consolidating some pieces because contracts are going to start going up. They, you know, they do have rookie contracts that they got to deal with. But um, I, I think that, that consolidation trade is 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 coming pretty quickly. I, I I'm not sold that now is the right time to do it. Uh, but again, Orlando has two draft picks. They're probably one's going to probably be in the lottery next year. We don't know what that Chicago pick's going to be next year's draft. You know, you would know better than me. Is looking like a pretty good draft, especially in that in the lottery. Yeah. Um. And so they're the magical. I, I think the magic will. You know, if this season goes the way that they hope it goes. I think that they will be players for whichever superstar is looking to move out somewhere um, and, and, and find a new home, which again, I've, I've told people who are like, well, you know, 
if you're not doing it for Donovan Mitchell, this is the golden goose. This is the golden opportunity to do it. He's re- he's under control for four years. He's in your time frame, and I'm just like you know, this is the NBA. Someone's gonna come free. Yeah. Someone's gonna ask for a trade that you don't expect. Or Atlanta got Dejounte Murray. No, you know, I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. Um, it's the NBA. It, it you'll you'll find your you'll find that opportunity, and it's it's just you know being ready when that opportunity comes and being flexible enough to go get it. Yeah, and I'm actually surprised that Atlanta got Murray. I thought that they had pieces to where they could go after Bill if Bill wanted to leave. And it was somebody else that I, that I thought that they had the, the the pieces to be able to make the move, which you know if they got Murray, that means if Bill, well, I guess he has a no trade clause, but Orlando could be the next team in line, especially if they do well and just show enough promise next season. Then that's when they're one move away from being, especially with two with. with, with possibly two picks next year. I mean, they could possibly put themselves in position to get anybody, any big, especially and if Bancaro plays well, like I think he will, then we're best case scenario. We could be talking about two years from now, just making this huge, huge jump. So um, it just, you haven't been able to say it a lot lately, but I, I do think there's a lot to be optimistic about if you're a magic fan. Like, like I said, it, it, it's proof of concept season. Like let's, let's see what Paolo is. Like I, I know a lot of people are super high on Paolo and they should be, uh, but we still haven't seen him play an NBA game yet. Yeah, um, yeah. So let's, let's see, let's see what he looks like getting through an NBA season. Let's see what the rest of these pieces look like. And then uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, Raphael, uh, I really appreciate you coming on to the show and, and giving us your perspective, both on, on Paolo uh, and this magic roster um, and a little bit of insight into, into, into your, into your draft prep. Um, obviously, uh, we're kind of in the in a little bit of a dead period, but the draft never sleeps. Uh, so so tell everyone where where they where they can find you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I enjoyed it. I mean, we've kind of seen each other. This is our first time yeah. really like connecting. So I enjoyed it. Anytime you want me on, let me know. Um, but you can reach me at Barlow five hundred on Twitter. Um, I'm usually active on there. I just had a baby two weeks ago today, so I've kind of congratulations. Thanks, I got a little boy. So. Uh, I haven't been as active on Twitter the last couple of weeks. And then um, the NBA Big Board podcast, which is year round. And so I've kind of taken a break from that, but I'll be I'll be back on that starting within the next couple of days. But that's where you can find me at. And then I took over for Chad Ford a few months back and I have a NBA draft newsletter. So it's behind a paywall, but it's exclusive content. I get a lot of a lot of um, feedback from different front office executives and scouts and just kind of mix in my opinions with, with their thoughts. And I have a lot of that in the newsletter. And so even though it is kind of like a, a dead season in a sense, I, I'll still be going with that. So you can reach me there at nbabigboard.com. And, you know, I, I respond to as many tweets as I can and then also email. So um, that's where you can find me at. Yeah, well, uh, Raphael, most important question I have to ask: uh, What is your your child's wingspan? Because uh, I want to get him on the radar <laughs> as early as possible. Well, I don't think you have to worry about that unless some freak <laughs> of nature. I'm not tall. His mom's not tall, so uh, you don't really look for wingspans and point guards. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you say you say that you say that. Yeah, I mean, I, I have uh, a friend of mine. He's uh, it, it's weird. He's six. 11 with like a 7'4 wingspan. I met his mom. She's 5'2. I'm like, man, your dad must be tall. He's like, no, my dad is 5'6. 
I'm like, what <laughs> in the world? And he's like, it just skipped generations and generations and generations. So if I am that lucky, then <laughs> that would be awesome. But he, he's, he, I'm grooming him for the front office. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Well, Rafael, appreciate you coming on the show and sharing, sharing your thoughts. Um, you can, of course, uh, for those, I'll close the show here, but you can follow me on Twitter at Philip R underscore OMD. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himmel, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, all of my similar podcasts, your favorite podcast and able to listen to advice. That's also where you can find the uh, Locked, on, uh, Locked On NBA Big Board podcast as well. I always may, I always get that get that one wrong. So hopefully, hopefully I got it right that time. Please correct me if I, if I, yep. if I botched that. It was Locked On NBA Draft, and then they combine it to Locked On NBA Big Board. And I mean, I messed it up there on go. air, so. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it happens, it happens to the best, it happens to the best of us, but uh, for Raphael, uh, for for me, Philip Rossman Reich, uh, over at Locked On Magic and Orlando Magic Daily. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. We'll get you all next time. Another episode of Locked On Magic. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast at free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.